0: I will enter his courts with praise. I will say, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me Glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for him. Let's sing it again one more time. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, I will enter his courts with praise. I will say, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad.
1: We're so blessed here with so many talented people. I see people and hear people going to play in the bell I said I didn't know they knew music all the time. Well, take your copy of God's Word, please, and open again to Matthew chapter six. We're back in our study of the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew chapter six, and I want to ask you a question or two to get started. How many of you have lunch plans today? Can I see your hand? Would you lift if you have lunch plans today? Oh, everybody's fasting and praying. Nobody has plans, all right? All right, let me ask you another question. How many of you have food in the cabinet or refrigerator at home? Maybe that's your lunch plan, all right? One more question. How many of you have a freezer at home and you've got food stuck, to, stuck away in there? Let me see your hands. Now, I'm not being nosy and bringing up these questions that I not mean to be nosy, If we have enough food in the spare, you've got lunch plans, you've got food in the cabinet, you've got food in the refrigerator, you've got food in the freezer, you've got food in jars, you've got food tucked away in drawers, you've got food hidden that you don't want anybody else to eat or touch, that's your own special food, you've got candy galore from this past week, then why in the world would we ever pray the next part of the Lord's Prayer? We find ourselves at verse 11 today, and verse 11 says, Give us this day... Our daily bread. But why should we pray that if we already have food enough and to spare? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today. and We're going to unpack that question and kind of look at it. But before we do, I want us to pray again together uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so if you have memorized it, you're working on it, Maybe you know it by heart. You can pray it from uh, memory. If you need to read the words, they're on the screen in front of you. Or you can use the paper we gave you earlier in the series, and there's probably more of those back there. But remember, we're praying this, not just reciting it, not just mouthing it. We want to pray these words to the Lord today. Would you pray with me again today the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you haven't already, Matthew chapter 6, we find ourselves... At verse 11 today, you know, the people back in Jesus' day, the people that he originally spoke these words to, they lived a lot differently than you and I live. Most of them worked day by day and then they went and got their food that evening and they prepared their food and they ate and it would begin again on the next day. And so they kind of worked on a day-by-day basis, literally working from paycheck to paycheck. And most of us do not do that when it comes to groceries and food. You may go and buy a week's worth of groceries at a time You may plan out your whole month if you're really organized and into that sort of thing. You've got food stocked away. And so you don't maybe buy meal by meal. You don't go to the store, especially where we live. It's a little bit of a trip to go to the store. And so we look at their life and look at our life. It's a lot different. And then for us, we can factor in drive-thrus and restaurants and the like. And so our lifestyle is a lot different than their lifestyle was. And our culture is a lot different as well. And we can understand why they would pray this part of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And because uh, they were literally dependent upon getting maybe work that day and then get bread that day. But then we look at our lives and uh, we've got plenty of food. But i got to remind you that there are a lot of people today who do not have plenty of food. A lot of people are living literally from meal to meal, even not knowing where their next meal is coming. But the truth of the matter is, as I look out upon this crowd this morning, if I look in the mirror at myself, a lot of us, most of us, do not find ourselves in that situation. We've got food and enough to spare. In fact, we've got too much food. We've got many, many of our wants even. See, this bread mentioned here is not just talking about food. It would encompass all the basic necessities of life. And I've got to remind you and myself as well, we have very few needs when it comes to life. We've got a lot of greeds, a lot of wants, a lot of things we would desire to have, but very few true needs. And they would be included in this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We would talk about things like water and food and clothing and shelter and medical care, those sorts of things, the needs of life. But the majority of us, we look around and say, well, you know what? I've got those. I've got all that. I've got the basic needs covered. In fact, God has blessed me so much, I not only have a lot of my needs or all my needs met, I've got a lot of my greeds and my wants and my desires. I have things I only dreamed of in years going by. So why in the world would I bother praying give us this day our daily bread? Well, it's worth noting that Jesus did not say, if you need food, pray. Give us this day our daily bread. In fact, He said, Pray like this. After this manner, therefore pray you. This is a pattern. It's a model. It's a template. You should pray like this. These are the things you should ask for. And so I got to thinking about this part of the prayer this past week. And as I studied it and meditated upon it, i come to the conclusion that this is a vital part of the prayer that all of us should pray. And not just pray with no thought or meaning, but pray with true passion. Why? Because I've come to the conclusion, beloved, that this part of the prayer actually guards us from sinning. It guards us from sinning. So what do you mean? I know that sounds a little strange, but hear me out. And I want to show you how praying with meaning and passion, truthfully praying, give us the sake, our daily bread, will guard us from sin in our life if we properly pray this. And so I want to give you three particular sins uh, that it guards us from. Alright? So when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it guards us, first of all, from the sin of self-sufficiency. The sin of self-sufficiency. One of the ways that God meets our needs is through our work and our own effort. One of the things we value is the idea of being able to go to work and to earn money to be able to take care of the needs of life. And the problem with that setup, though, is that we can very easily become self-sufficient. But the truth of the matter is, none of us are self-sufficient. There are those who might think, well, I got a good education, which led to a good job, which led to a place where I work hard, And I earn money, and that's the reason why I have food and clothing and a nice house and a nice car and money in the bank. Because I got an education, I worked hard, I got a good job, I'm a good employee, I do my job, and all that. And so we think, well, it's because of everything I've done, that's why I'm so blessed. How easy it is to forget that we, beloved, we're breathing God's air. We're drinking God's water. We're eating God's food that He's allowed us to have. And furthermore, we're using the body and brain that He gave us to accomplish all the things that we're boasting about. See, not only has God blessed us with His blessings, He's also blessed us by what others do for us. That nice car that you're driving on that road, somebody built that car besides you. Somebody paved that road that you're driving on. When you go to the grocery store to buy that food that you are earn the money to buy, somebody grew that food, somebody harvested the food, somebody hauled it to be processed, it was taken to a plant, then processed, and then put in packaging, and then hauled back to the store, then somebody in the store took it, put it on the shelf, and then you took it off the shelf, took it to the register, you couldn't steal it, so you took it, took it to the register, and even if you self-checked out, you still got to go through the process, somebody put that machine in, you take it, then you go home to the home that somebody built, Besides you, more than likely. And cook it on the stove that somebody else built that you purchased with the money in the pan that you didn't make. And on and on it goes. We are not self-sufficient. We need each other. And God has blessed us. And when we begin to really think about this whole idea, give us this day our daily bread, our needs in life. It will guard us from the sin Of self sufficiency. God holds our life in His hand. He grants us every breath that we breathe, and He gives us every beat of our heart. And that's why we pray. Give us this day our daily bread, because it all comes from God, it all depends on God, and it all ends with God. Now, I hope that you are the best employee at your place of work. I hope that you work hard. I know that you do. And it's good that you're, you're paid well and all those sorts of things. But do we realize that God holds our very lives in His hand? And I mean, He could stop our heart in an instant. He could, he could impact our brain in just an instant. We could go from being totally capable and able and just a second later, totally immobile and helpless. That's why we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're not self-sufficient. And to think that we are is foolish. And to live like we are is sin. I remind you of that. If you think, well, if I need something, I'll just work hard for it and go get it. You've got to remember what God has told us. In fact, put your finger there in Matthew 6 and go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 talks about that very thing. People think, well, you know, if I need something, I'll just go work for it. And, you know, we do want you to work for it. We ought to work for it. But the truth of the matter is, God is still in charge and God is still in control. James chapter 4 talks about that. You'll find James chapter 4, verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13. Read down through verse 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and do what? Make a profit. By the way, nothing wrong with making a profit. If you're going to have a business, you don't make a profit, you won't be in business. Making a prophet is not sinful. It's actually wise. But look at where verse 14 says. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Maybe you go out in one of these cool mornings and you see your breath as you breathe. That's what your life is like, the Bible says. That's what our lives are like. Now, if it's a warm morning and you see your breath, go back and brush your teeth again. But if it's a cold morning and you see your breath, it's a reminder. That's what your life is like. That's what your life is like. It's just a vapor that appears for a little time. And then it so short. Look at what it says in verse 15 of James 4. Instead, you ought to say. He has no problem with planning, no problem with business, no problem with profit. Look at what it says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good does not do it. To him it is sin. He's saying, in other words, when you're making your plans, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. Now, the question always arises, I think, are we required to always say God willing or Lord willing or uh, Latin uh, uh, phrase that goes with it, uh, which I just said and escaped my mind. By the way, you would think I'd be sharp as a tack after falling back, but I just thought I'd just fallen down. Um... (laughs) It's been a long week. I don't think it's so much we have to say every time, Lord willing, God willing, Lord willing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good habit that may be formed to help you to remember, but it's a heart matter. You realize, I've got, I've got plans this afternoon. My meetings here start at 4 o'clock this afternoon all the way down through. That, but it's, it's the Lord wills. I may not make it out of this meeting. I may die in the middle of this sermon. Uh, I may die on the way home. That's an encouraging thought. But the truth it's true, though. The truth of the matter is God holds our lives in his hands and we are not self-sufficient and think so and live so is sin. It discounts God. It discredits God. It dishonors God. He says, you ought to say it this way, if the Lord will. That's why we pray, give us this day our daily bread because the truth of the matter is if God doesn't allow us to do what we do, we'll not have daily bread. So no matter how much your freezer holds, the power can go out. Your house can burn down. It all can be gone in an instant, a in moment. The stock market can crash. The way we're going we might have another Great Depression in our own nation. The truth of the matter is, God is in charge. And that's why we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It will protect us from the sin of self-sufficiency. Secondly, it guards us from the sin, Here's an important one, of ingratitude. Ingratitude. This certainly builds upon the first sin we talked about, the sin of self-sufficiency. When people think they're making their own way and that they're in charge and they're the master of their own ship and they're the captain of their own fate, they're not thankful to God. And they're not rejoicing in the Lord. They're not giving credit to God. What they're doing is they're praising and exalting themselves, saying, look at what I've got. Look at how blessed I... No, they even say blessed. Look how, how awesome I am that I've done all these things you would, put your finger there in Matthew again if you're back there and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible has something to say about that as well. 2 Timothy chapter 3, or you can listen as I read verses 1 through 5. Maybe you're wondering, are we living in the last days? Well, this passage talks about what people are going to be like in the last days and what's going to happen in the last days. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It's a very interesting list and a very interesting description. It says in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now watch what it says. For men, implied women as well, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents. Interesting. in the next one. Unthankful. Unholy. Notice how that unthankful comes in the midst of what I'm about to read. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people... Turn away. That's where we live today. That's where we live today. And in the midst of all those horrible descriptions is that word unthankful. (coughs) To be ungrateful, to be unthankful, (coughs) to live a life of ingratitude is a sin before Almighty God. Everything that we have, we have because of God's goodness. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights whom there's no a uh, variable that's not a shadow of turning, the Bible says. We're totally dependent upon God for our most basic needs. That's why we pray for rain a lot around here, right? When the drought comes, we pray. Because we can't control that. They're very basic just to make the crops grow. We might have food. He provides our most basic needs. And when He does, we should be thankful. And so we, we pray this prayer, this part of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And then we look around we say, well, Lord, I've got food in the cabinet. And I've got food in the fridge. And I've got food in the freezer. How can we not say to him in the very next breath, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me? And by the way, this goes on day by day. Did you notice it says, give us this day our daily bread. You ever thought about the way God created us? He could have made us where we only had to eat once a week. Wouldn't that be convenient? Just, just on Monday, you fill up, and you just run all week on that. He could have made it where he only fill up once a month. First day of the month, you eat a big old meal, and you run. Furthermore, he could have made it where we only eat once a year. That sounds kind of sad. We're Baptists. But anyway, uh, homecoming is the only meal you get for the whole year. You fill up at homecoming. You get enough fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and your biscuits and you get that one and, and, and that's good for the whole year. Furthermore, he could have made it where we didn't have to eat at all. Well, that's discouraging, isn't it? What we do. But he didn't make us that way. In fact, he made it where we have to fill up on a regular basis. He made it where we have to have our daily bread. Sure, we can fast or go for a short time without food, but if you don't eat over a certain amount of time, you will die. It's just a basic necessity of life. Now, you're back in Matthew chapter 6 by now. I wanted to show you down further in the passage. Remember, now, we're studying the Lord's Prayer in verses 9 through 13, but drop down to verse 25. We're talking about bread, the basic necessities of life. Shelter, clothing, food. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on, the basic necessities of life. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. I've never yet seen a bird out farming, have you? I've walked many a day out here. I've never seen a bird on a tractor driving it. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, the wisest and richest man, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles keep talking about lost people. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And by the way, can I just remind you of that phrase I just read. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Then he says in verse 33, a very important key verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We already talked about the kingdom of God in the prayer already. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, God wants us to pray about our needs. He knows we have needs. He created us to have the needs. He's the one that made us this way in the first place. But He doesn't want us living a life of worry and fretfulness. He wants us to live a life of dependence upon Him. And that's why Jesus says, listen, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. When we pray that way, it puts us totally and helps us to depend upon the Lord and thank the Lord more and more. But there's a third sin I need to give you real quickly here. That this guards us from. It guards us from the sin of selfishness. The sin of selfishness. We're back there in verse 11 again of Matthew chapter 6. Give us this day our daily bread. Did you notice it says, Give us, give us this day our daily bread? It doesn't say, Give me my bread. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, I'm not just praying for myself and about myself. Why? Because other people need bread too. And if God has provided for me and mine, then maybe He wants me to provide for others. Let me give you some references. You can listen as I drop the reference and listen as I read these verses for time's sake. Philippians chapter two, verse four: Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age, by the way, that's all of us. You say, Well, I'm not rich. Well, I'm not talking about American standards, I'm talking about world standards. All of us are filthy rich when it comes to the world standard. Filthy rich. We're the richest people on the face of the earth. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You don't have to feel ashamed about that. It says He gives us all things richly to enjoy. We can enjoy the things. Praise the Lord for them. But it says in verse 18 of 1 Timothy 6, Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Reminded of that story Jesus told about the man who had such a bumper crop. And he just ran out of room in his barn and says, what shall I do? And he talked to himself and said, what shall I do? I have all this. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast many goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then what's going to happen all those things you stored up? You see, when we pray this idea, give us this day our daily bread, and God's blessed us abundantly. Maybe one of the reasons God's blessed us so much is because He wants us to take some of those blessings and help other people to get their daily bread. James two fifteen through 16 says it this way, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? See, God wants us not to just look on our own interests, but the interests of others. And so this helps to guard us from selfishness. Give us this day our daily bread. And we look around and see, I've got all this that I have. And then I look around a little further and I see, there's so many people who don't have these things. For whatever reason, maybe God wants me to bless them. See, in a real sense, we can be the answer to our own prayer. Sometimes you are the answer to your prayer. Did you know that? Oh God, bless this, bless that, give them that. And sometimes the truth of the matter is the answer is the one praying the prayer. God wants you to go and bless that person. We're talking about basic needs, not just about bread. That's part of it. Not just food, but the basic needs of life. And the problem for most of us, myself included, is not that we lack, but that we have too much. Our houses are overstuffed and we're overwhelmed. And could it be that God has blessed us in a tremendous way because He wants us to pass on some of those blessings to others? Now again, I'm not saying we should feel guilty if God has blessed us. We ought to be grateful. And He's given us all things richly to enjoy. And so, you know, don't feel guilty today that God has blessed you. But also, don't be greedy if God has blessed you. Be generous. Be gracious, be grateful. Generous like the man who blessed Joe Arroyo. Joe was a homeless man who was sitting along the street in um, in Lower Manhattan earlier this year, back at the end of summer. Maybe you saw this, someone on Twitter, I think they were in a cab and they began to video and they posted about a jogger who stopped and gave Joe the shoes, and I think the socks, of his own feet as he was going by. A news crew caught up with Joe, the homeless man. Here's what Joe said. He said, I was sitting here with a sign saying I'm homeless and hungry, and that my shoes, that they're broken. And he was jogging from down the block. He just saw me and stopped, Aurorio said. I never thought somebody would just come out and take the shoes off and just give them to me. He told WABC-TV that the jogger, whom he did not know, had walked by and noticed that he had holes on the bottom of his sneakers. He told the news station what the stranger said to him. Quote, he said, I've been blessed pretty much my whole life. God has been very nice to me. I like that sentence. God has been very nice to me. Feels like I should bless you too. Here, take my shoes. And he took them off and gave them to me. I was surprised. It was something from the heart. I I wanted to hug the guy or something, but then a homeless man hugging somebody is not normal out here. During the interview, Arroyo said that although he had been living on the streets for years, he was looking for a job and open to any opportunity offered to him. By the way, there's a little neat part to the rest of the story. Somebody watched the news piece, heard the story about this man that we don't know who he is, who gave this homeless man the shoes of his own feet. They saw the story, they heard Joe's words, and they offered Joe a job. Blessing upon blessing. You see, sometimes the way that God meets the needs that people are praying for are through people like us who have been blessed so much. That's why we do things like Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. That's why we give special offerings. That's why we support missions that go in and feed hungry and help rebuild houses and help people to have the very basic needs of life. And we do it all in the name of Jesus Did you know there was so much in those seven little words? Give us this day our daily bread. Properly prayed, those seven words can guard us from the sins of self-sufficiency, ingratitude, and selfishness. Properly prayed, those seven words, simple, give us this day our daily bread, can cause us to be more dependent upon God, more grateful to God, and more generous to other people. So I want to commend you, Dave, this part of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray that passionately. Pray it with meaning. Pray it with an open heart, remembering that God may be using you to be the answer to that prayer in somebody else's life. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Father, Thank you for this wonderful prayer the Lord Jesus gave. Thank you for what we're learning from it. Help us to be grateful today. Everything we have is a gift from you. The ability to speak and think and function this very moment is a gift from you. You have blessed us abundantly. May we bless others in your name. Father, I don't know what you want to do with this message today, but you promised in your word that it will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which you've sent it. Lord, I pray personally you would use me to be a blessing to others. And I pray that you would use this body of believers to be a blessing to each other. And if there are brothers and sisters in our midst listening to us even now, who have true needs. Help us, Lord, to help them and encourage them and help us to do whatever you lead us to do in the name of Jesus and for His glory. Amen. 502 is our closing hymn today. The altar is open if you would like to come and pray. If you need to meet the Lord Jesus in salvation, we'd love to help you with that. If you want to come and pray, if God's spoken to your heart about something, we can assist you. We'd love to. 502 says, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved Him o'er and o'er. Has not He been faithful to you? Remember today when you take that bite, that first bite of food, that's a gift from God. Give thanks to Him. Let's stand together and sing 502, Tis so sweet.